What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Knowles and Dogs podcast. Um, and this is our Sunday night reaction pod to the mm-hmm. Saturday night slate. Um, I'm Hunter. I'm Dylan. And we are wrapping up. We had just wrapped up week 13, or rivalry week, as we like to call it. Can't believe it's already the end of the regular season. It's It's been a really good season, I feel like. we've. It's not the regular slate of teams here at the end, it feels like. you know. I feel like the still kind of wide open here at the end, but we'll move forward. It's very, a lot of parody. If yeah. You haven't seen this in a long time, and I think it's healthy for the sport, definitely. Mm-hmm. For I sure. agree with you. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with you. All right. So, uh, without further ado, I mean, any, I mean, we'll get into it, but just any opening statements or thoughts from this weekend, like biggest takeaway? Just briefly um, before we get in? Yeah, before we get too in-depth into it, um, the only thing I'm really interested in seeing is on Tuesday, if the playoff committee would, I want to see where Ohio State and Alabama go. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. going to be the biggest question after this weekend, is does the committee sit and go Ohio State at 5, or do they put Bama at 5? I would think they would put the team with the one loss mm-hmm. ahead of Bama, yeah, I mean, you can say Bama's lost by a total of four points on the final play each possession, but it's hard to justify their one loss is now a three-loss team, mm-hmm. and then the other team is a two-loss team that lost by 25 as a 22-and-a-half-point yeah. favorite. Um, and their their best win is 8-4 Ole Miss. Yeah. And that's their best um, win on the resume. Or 8-4 Ole Miss or Texas, and that was yeah. each – came down to the final play of the game. So mm-hmm. um, I think Ohio State's going to be fine as they're going to be ahead of them. Um, but yeah. I would not be surprised on Tuesday um, if that Bama bias comes back here at the end. We'll see. Um, that'll be something we'll talk about later on in our next episode. Yeah. I think my biggest takeaway would be um, uh, underdogs – Bark on Rivalry Week because <laughs> favorites were not doing anything for the spreads this week. I'll tell you that. There were a lot of covering by the underdogs, mm-hmm. a lot of bigger spreads, you would think. I got burned a couple of times. I was not my finest week, but yeah, <laughs> um, we'll say that. Um, and also, every given Saturday, you never know yeah. what's going to happen. This is the, I mean, this is what makes this sport so great. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, weekends started, like this. I mean, it started Thursday night with a great game. Friday mm-hmm. night with a great slate of games. We'll go through a couple of them, and then go right into Saturday, which was just as good. Um, yeah. So, um, without further ado, I mean, you ready to get into this? Let's get straight into this. All right. So we'll hop right into this. We'll start with, as always, with our games. So we'll start with Georgia. They played Georgia Tech this weekend. It was a 37-14 win for the Dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, a noon kickoff. It was senior day, but a and it kills me because every time they do this against an inferior <laughs> opponent, they sleepwalk their way yep. through the first half. It's just it's gross. It's kind of it's like, what are we doing out there? I mean, it's down yeah. to Georgia Tech gets the ball first. 
and they marched right down the field. It was like a fourth and nine, and they converted mm-hmm. a big time, like 35, 40-yard play. It was just yeah. gross, and they scored. And I was like, what are we doing, guys? And then we had offense took a little bit to get going. We went into half, only up 10-7, just a gross half. And then we finally decided to wake up and be like, hey, let's just end the charade. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we, we ended up winning 37-14. Um, but I'm a couple – I am – I don't want to say I'm concerned a little about their – it just, the inability to just start games, mm-hmm. they're just, they're just, the focus is never, it's so, they're inconsistent with just showing up or deciding to, hey, we're going to be this team today or we're going to start as this team today. Like, I need yeah. consistency out of this team because it's, it's one week, it could be, t- it's Tennessee where we're coming out with our, with our balls on fire and we're just coming out guns blazing like, we're going to yeah. hit you right in the mouth, and we're not going to look back. Or it's going to be like weeks like, or am I going to get a week like Georgia Tech or Missouri when, oh, shit, we're losing mm-hmm. to a shitty team that yeah. has no business even being with us right now. Um, although Missouri is bowl eligible. I mean, it'd be like, I mean, it's a slow start. It's like Auburn. We were up like 14 to 10 and a half or something stupid like that against Auburn. Like, it's just, it's these slow starts against slow teams. And I think it's that. I think it's. I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids. I mean, you can't. It's, I guess it might be hard to get up for a noon kickoff against a five and six Georgia Tech team. But it's it's senior I, day though. It like is. Senior the, the, day. You're not a, yeah. And it's just. And it was just. What are I don't like how we have to just pick and choose when we're doing it. Like, why can't I get the same team that starts? Mm-hmm. That finishes hell of a great. Why can't I get that team to start? You know, because I don't yeah. need that happening. Because, God forbid, we do this shit in the playoff against USC. Most likely, if that you're not winning that game. Be, I I mean, in it. I, not to cut cut you off too much no right here, but in in the in a scenario if Georgia plays like a, specifically a offense like USC in a playoff game and they start out slow, I don't see a way you can recover in that situation because they can score on anybody. Now, I will say that, yes, um, they, like, we can't be pulling that shit against them. To be fair, mm-hmm. we basically kind of pulled that shit the last time we played Lake and Riley back in 17 against Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Where we went, it was halftime, it was 31-17, and we, thank God, because Blankenship hit a 55-yarder in the Rose Bowl, set the record. Like, but it was if you watch that, if you go back and watch that game, just the first half, it was the same, just getting torched or just didn't look like we were ready to play. Like we yeah. can't have that in these bigger games, and I think the boys will be ready because now like the real season begins. So like, I think postseason ball. I think the Kirby's going to get these guys ready. He knows like, hey, there's no there's no room for error now. It's survive and advance. So <laughs> you're it's your time. You're not guaranteed another week. I think you have to just go out, prove who, why you are the best, and just, and I think they will because obviously competition, the better, it seems like the better competition is, or if they're ranked, they come out and they will be like, hey, we're not messing around today. We're just going to kick your ass. Yeah. So I think that'll help. Um, But 
I, they're, again, they're not using the tight ends. Again, we're not using the tight ends enough. Bowers is not doing anything. I can pull up the stats right now mm -hmm. if you want, or you can pull them up. I mean, I'll pull them up for you. I mean, it's Darnell Washington hasn't done anything, and that's not his fault. I mean, they're not getting him. They're not make, getting anything for him. The referees, though, were not very good. They, we had like three touchdowns taken off the board yesterday or Saturday. Yeah, yesterday, mm -hmm. and it was like. Come on, like Brock Bowers hasn't been really used in a whole lot. I liked how we ran the ball mm -hmm. we got, and that was also our identity is we need to be balanced. If we start with running the ball, if yeah. we could run the ball if just enough effectively, it sets up better for Bennett. And we started off passing the ball a lot, and we weren't doing anything, and then we started running the ball, and we were doing stuff, and then it was like, my God, look what happens. So I think... It's just a little bit too inconsistent. The red zone errors are killing me too. That I'm very worried about that. Um, if you go back and watch, like, if you look at the stats, Georgia's like 57 of like 60 or, or like 60 of like 62 or something like that in red zone scoring opportunities. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those are field goals. Like we're not converting yeah. in the end in the red zone where we need to be, and it's happening every week last yesterday we like twice inside like the 15 we couldn't score and it was penalties killed us but um you know a win's a win um and again even as bad as we played we still won by 23 so yeah you know but it just worries me a little bit the focus um can it's just the yeah the focus of just deciding when to be there or when to not be the sleepwalking is a little worrisome and just the it, offensive um, involvement of getting your best players involved in the game is also a little concerning. Um, yeah. But, I mean, a win's a win. So I think I'm more just kind of mm -hmm. looking toward – I'm trying now because at this point you're comparing your team now to the other teams that are you know are going to be in this contender spot like who you might be playing. And Yeah. I mean, and I believe in my defense as well as anybody. But yeah. what happens if Max Duggan or Kayla Williams decides, hey, I'm going to fucking come ready to play today? Like, yeah. can we show up ready to dominate? And can we match that and go exceed mm -hmm. that? Um, I'm just kind of looking at that. Um, also, I'm a little worried about next week. The only thing I'm worried about next week, and we'll talk about it later, um, I am a little worried about us against Jaden Daniels a little bit, just a smidge, mm -hmm. with his ability to run the ball. Because it happened yesterday against they had their, they brought in this, like, this two quarterback system, and you know it. They had brought in that black guy, or yeah. I forget his name. He's like their backup, but he's like the runner. He's the Clemson transmit or transfer. Yeah, and he came in and he would just be running the ball, and mm -hmm. we couldn't stop him at first. And I'm like, what are we doing, guys? So, but we figured that out. And I say this as bad, like we gave up like 30 points. We only gave up really a cheap touchdown at the end. But, um, yeah. you know, it is what it is. I don't know if you had any thoughts. They did score. They scored double digits. It was some trick play at the end. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying. But, yes, you by were way, right. By, by the way, they yep, would have covered go. too if Carson Beck wouldn't have fumbled the ball. They were on the verge <laughs> of covering that spread. But, um, okay, so I just want to back up a couple of things you brought up. So, yeah, Brock Bowers got five receptions for 20 yards. 
in this he did game. have the he did have one of the better touchdown catches I've seen. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it. He I did see it. Yeah, he caught it from like two inches off the ground, and I mm-hmm. mean, I saw just that one. Caught it. That I mean, great catch. But mm-hmm. go ahead. And then uh, Darnell Washington had a single reception for eleven yards. So yeah, yeah. the tight ends in total got thirty-one yards. That's okay. your one best. Touchdown. You can't you a defense there any no defense has proved they can stop them. Yeah. At all. And when I see Darnell Washington in the red zone against man getting man to man against a six foot corner, why am I not seeing a fade route to him every single freaking time? Yeah. If he I, he if you throw it in the spot, he nobody can catch him. He is six foot seven, and if he fucking jumps, he might be six nine. Okay. Yeah. So. Why not give him a fucking shot, you know? And then I don't even think McConkie was very involved. I know he had the decent run, um, but I don't know. You have the stats portal. No, he wasn't. Yeah, he was not really involved. He had a um, a single uh, rush, a single carry for 14 yards. Yeah. He was not involved in the passing game at all. No, the the passing game was a little weird, again. A little weird. I think... Are they scared with Stetson Bennett under uh, center? That's my that's my only question because he had 18 attempts for 140 yards, two touchdowns. It's not a bad day, but not impressive. No. At least to me, it does not scream impressive. No, I don't think you're scared because I feel like at this point you know what you have. I mean, he's. I mean, his stats don't lie. Like he's a hell of a throw player. I think it's yeah. more of. Kirby and Todd Munkin realizing they figure out and they do such a great job at this too. And it sometimes drives me crazy because I, as a fan, I have to just kind of watch it. They just know how to, they know strategically how to put in like turns like a python, just strangle you mm-hmm. slowly yeah. and painfully to death. And if it's throwing the ball down the field like they did against Mississippi State, because if you watch Stetson Bennett, if, if they were scared, they wouldn't have beat Mississippi State. You watch it. You yeah. look at his numbers against Mississippi State. He had the one pick, but or he might have had two picks. One of them wasn't his fault then. But you wouldn't if he makes if he needs to make a throw, he'll make a throw. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just way of recognizing like how the game's going. Um, and that's why like he didn't throw the ball at all against Kentucky. He realized yeah. that, um, I bet Georgia had a shit ton of rushing guards yesterday though. Um, yeah, they had 264 rushing yards on the exactly. yeah. in the game. Yeah, so you recognize I, yeah, you just you recognize what how the game's going, and if and I recognized that we were averaging almost like eight yards a carry, something stupid mm-hmm. like that. So I think you he realizes they realize they're like, hey, if Tech can't stop us on the run, why even bother? Why even tempt trying to throw the ball? No, so. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of that. I don't really know. If, I don't think they don't trust him um, because he's 26-3 and three now as a starter, I think, or something. Just don't quote me on that. And he's 13-0 and 0 as a starter at home. Um, by the way, now Georgia is tied with, I think, um, is it Alabama for uh, most home wins, consecutive home wins now because Clemson's streak ended. Clemson, yeah, and Cincinnati's streak ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my answer to you. I think it's more just yeah. um, understanding how the game's going, 
and recognizing, hey, if we need to, if we're just going to, if they're not going to do anything, we're just going to run the ball and milk the clock and just mm. slowly but surely run a seven minute, go seven minutes down the field and either kick a field goal or just do whatever with it and yeah. give you back the clock with only like five minutes to go. So I think that's it. Um, yeah. Not too much else to say about this game. Obviously, Georgia was a better team in every aspect. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really sticks out on the stat sheet is Georgia Tech was able to throw the ball for over 200 yards, which for a Georgia defense that is really good is pretty impressive since yeah. Georgia Tech throughout the most of the season has not been able to do anything on yeah. offense. So that's my yeah. only question for worry because if they do play a USC squad that will throw the ball 40 times a game, yeah, that could be a so, scary matchup. I was So I know that number. I don't know what the exact number was. Mm-hmm. But... um. A lot of it, so like we had a lot of man-to-man going on, and mm-hmm. so a lot of it was some nice catches, some solid catches, but um, they had, um, there was like the one deep shot in the first drive. There was a couple like in-betweeners throughout the game. So like, if you think about it though, I mean, Georgia almost plays like a, we're so dominant though, but we almost play like Ben don't break. Sometimes yeah. we're like, we'll let you get your yards. If mm-hmm. we want, but you're not going to get near the end zone. Like, I think yeah. Georgia had, there was a, a time, I think it was midway through the third or something, where Georgia Tech hadn't crossed over to our own, to their, or to our, like, 38 yard line or something since, like, their first drive. Yeah. It's like, you want to take your yards, be my guest over time, but, like, you're not going to, we're not going to let you score, though. Um, so, I think, though, I do agree, because um, there were a couple, there was, like, three plays where Tech had wide open guys drop balls mm-hmm. that hit their hands. There was not a guy yeah. near them, and they dropped them in. I know that's not going to happen against some of these better teams. So, yeah. But again, I think it's more of like an inferior team. What are you going to do? But yep, I do think, I think they'll sharpen it up. It, it will be interesting to see how they respond um, going into the SEC title game now that LSU now lost. So how are they going to be ready to go? Or are we going to think, oh, geez, another lack, we've got another lackluster again. I don't think that will happen because they're ranked. So no. We should I, I don't think it will happen, but we'll see. So we'll move on to uh, the Florida State Seminoles who beat the Florida Gators in Doe Campbell Stadium 45-38. to 38. Fuck I think <laughs> I think you can attest that was a phenomenal game to watch. Oh, a great game. By the way, the the Friday slate was mm-hmm. outstanding. A lot better than I thought it was going to be when it was first announced. I'll say that. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Missouri game, I had a Missouri. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that game just, was fun. You knew that was going to happen. and They were mm-hmm. fighting for a bowl game. You know that was going to. And then the North Carolina game was awesome. And then what a nightcapper with your guy, you guys in Florida. I mean, what an atmosphere. Yep. I've never been to Doak. I know you have. Yeah. What a atmosphere that was. So we we got you got to come up to a game at Doak sometime this I year do. or the next season. Well, but I know, I know we go up there yeah. in twenty seven, so I'll be there for sure for that. Well, we'll be there for then, but you got to go before then. Oh yeah, I will. Don't worry. So we'll get into some of the numbers I want to talk about. So Florida State went in as ten and a half point favorites. I me and you both agreed. We thought the line was a little bit high. Florida but, plus 10, hammer. 
Yeah. <laughs> but midway midway through that third quarter, I, I don't know about you, but it really did feel like maybe the Vegas guys were right. Because oh, Florida State dude. Florida yeah. State went up thirty-eight to twenty-four. Uh, was I think that was the score. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they went up big because something I had addressed in our pregame about it. Dan, or not Dan Mullen, sorry. Billy Napier. Sometimes I yeah, yeah, some about Billy. I I don't know about you, but I personally feel like he gets into his own head sometimes. But me and you both know. Florida State could not stop Florida from running the ball. And they we were running all over team. that defense. And I'll talk about this we in talked a second. About it. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like I said would happen, for some reason, he got scared and decided to throw the ball. Yeah. And me and you both talked about it. Anthony Richardson could not complete. A, he, can, he had 12 incompletions in a row in the third quarter. He could not make. He had three straight in, uh, three and outs. They could, not, they could not move the ball at all. Yeah. It was, um, it was like... It was bewildering to watch, like on the television. You would, you, oh. because the Flor- Florida State could not stop the run at all. No, no. Are you ready for these stats? At all. You ready for this? Yeah. You ready for yeah. This? Go for it. So, mm-hmm. Okay. So when we talked about this. We said the keys to the game were if Florida State and we and later on we didn't know about this, but Florida was out five receivers. So yeah, we did. We, talk, we, we, we were t- unaware of that. But so we talked about as if everybody was healthy. Mm-hmm. Florida State, if or if Florida was going to win. Or even have a shot in this. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we talked about first thing was which team's going to come out firing first? Is yeah. it Florida State? Are they going to just come out ready to go, get the crowd going, just stay in? Or is Florida going to come in, quiet it down some, and keep this close and make it a ball game? And we said that the only way Florida can do that, because we know Florida State has a better offense, can Florida yep. run the ball and control the clock and keep Jordan Travis and that offense on the sidelines? Mm-hmm. And my God, they did they did it to a T. And this is without five receivers, including their best yeah. guy in Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson. They were pretty much left with Ricky Pearsall. Yep. Um, I'm going to go through some stats here real quick. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you go for it. I mean, both teams ran the ball effectively because both teams' defenses couldn't stop one another to save their life. We knew yep. Florida's defense stunk. And I thought Florida State's mm-hmm. defense would have a little bit more success. I still thought um, they were better. But I thought Florida the Florida State able... secondary was definitely better. Yes, now, that's what the, the the front seven didn't play great though. Yeah. Now we can go through this. I mean, quarter by quarter, because I was watching it with a Florida fan. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Anthony Richardson came out looking sharp. I'll say that, and you have yeah. to say that too. He looked good. No, he yeah, he one. did. That first, he had yeah. The one he had the one, the first throw, the big throw to Ricky Pearsall, that mm-hmm. got it going. I believe who scored first? It was so well, you guys scored first. So Florida State right scored up. first. Be- mm. <laughs> yeah. You so actually, right it's it's <laughs> well, actually no. So Florida State got the ball first because Florida won the toss. They got so then uh, Pokey Wilson fumbled the ball after a twenty-yard reception. Florida got the ball and went for it on fourth down at the fifty. Didn't get it, and Florida State scored on the next play. So yes. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you describe that, and but then, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then Pearsall had the one touchdown, and then there was the mm-hmm. fumble or interception, the turnover of FSU. Florida got yep. the ball back, and then Florida scored again. And then, mm-hmm. but we'll go through some stats here. Um, Florida ran for 262 yards. They averaged almost six yards a carry. Florida State ran for 227 yards, almost five yards a carry. Um, mm-hmm. But 
the fact that this game was really even close is what baffles me because Anthony Richardson went 9 of 27, 193 yards. He threw for three touchdowns. Yep. At one point, he was 5 of 7 for three touchdowns in an interception. Um, yeah. He only had a QBR of 60. So not ideally a good night. But the tu- but his touchdowns came on wide open guys because they ran yeah. the ball. They ran the ball so well. I mean, Montreal Johnson and Travis Etienne were just running the ball down. Trevor Etienne. Trevor Etienne. Sorry about that. Trevor no, Etienne. They were mostly Johnson, but uh, – mm-hmm. well, actually, excuse me. No, it was equal, actually. They had the exact same amount of carries. Yeah, so Etienne – and I'm just – I should just be looking at stats. ETN, 17, <laughs> sure, carries, 17 carries, 129 yards. Montreal Johnson, 17 carries, 85 yards. Um, both of them averaged over five yards carry. Anthony Richardson had 10 carries for 41 yards. Um, they ran the ball well. And then all yeah. of a sudden, like you just said, I think it was like third quarter, Just they started throwing the ball. Like Anthony mm-hmm. Richardson went like 0 for 9 or 10. So he went 0 for 12. Yeah. He went 0 for 12 to start the half. Why? What? And what stratosphere, Billy Napier? Do you do? Like you're running the ball well. You're keeping trap Jordan Travis, who you guys couldn't touch all night because he was escaping everything and scoring. But yeah. somehow, actually, he'd be sliding, and getting short of the one all night long. Um, twice. That was <laughs> twice. Oh man, that second one was a touchdown. That's all I got to say. The first one, I agree, he was down at the one. But the second one, I think. I think me, you, and me would both agree. I think he was in. I think his feet and the ball were in before he'd given himself up. I'd have to go back and look at it because I can't really remember yeah. it off the top of my head. But I just know twice he got away and he should have scored. He got marked down at the one. But yep. they couldn't stop Florida State. You guys couldn't stop it. But then Florida just decided to go rogue and throw the ball mm-hmm. as if like they were down by like two scores out of the half. Yeah. No. no. You guys were up. And then you yeah. let Florida State – Go right back down, mm-hmm. and then, and then all of a sudden it became a shootout. And you know Florida's not gonna, not built for that. I mean, no, Florida State three touchdowns in the third quarter, and then Florida came back. They had the one yard score, and then I think they got a stop. And then yeah, they the did. Run, then there was the big run by Etn, and then you guys put it on ice with Troy Trey Benson, and then you guys made the stop. But mm-hmm. go ahead, I'll let you go. So. The only other things I have to really say is I think this game once again proved the fact that Jordan Travis is – if he stays at Florida State next year, I think he goes in I think as a at least top 10, top 10 Heisman candidate going into next year. I think he will be just mm-hmm. because he's improved so much as a passer mm-hmm. in the, the two years being at Florida State and Honestly, as a runner. That's what I was going to say. He really – his – they really didn't. He really wasn't even like super like like needed in the passing game. It was mm-hmm. his legs were the biggest thing. Yeah, but like that cannon downfield to I think it was Malik McLean. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was yeah it was a, I'm looking right, it was a 44 yard uh, pass down the field, and then they gave it off to um that no that was the the next play was the Houdini where they tried to okay. sack him. He got out. Oh my Dumb. god! I, five, there were five missed tackles on that play. Five guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Missed him. Yeah. Like one guy missed him twice. There was, <laughs> he was. He was here, and there's two guys, and one of the guys in front of him, one guy's behind him, and he still got away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there was, I don't know. Kudos to you. Um, also, yeah. <laughs> we'll say 
I don't know. Um, the officiating on that last drive mm-hmm. for Florida. Bizarre. Cool. Bizarre, bad, because you had fourth and eighteen mm-hmm. from like the Florida from like the Florida like thirty. Like yeah. Florida was going backwards and then you had the really bad PI call. Yeah. Um, that extended that drive and gave them new life more or less on that they, drive. They did. They were dead to rights. And, oh my god. They were dead to rights. They looked lost. Not a good call at all. I think it was mm. good coverage and and I had money on Florida. So like I'm not like <laughs> Yeah. Was, I needed Florida to cover. Um, <laughs> so but there was that and then Florida started moving the ball really down the field and then again they got caught in fourth down but on their your guys side of the field I think it was like mm. I think they got to about the. Florida I think it was a like twenty-six, somewhere around there, because they were right like, on the verge of the match. Yeah, it was like forty-six seconds left or something, and then mm-hmm. there was AR. It was a blitz off the edge, and they missed a face mask, and it was a yeah. kind of a blatant one too. And I don't know why they didn't call it because he really pulled it, and they somehow yeah. didn't call it at all. And then AR ended up throwing. I think threw it away. Um, but like. He threw it out of the end zone. Yeah, there, it's like the no call right there, and then the egregious PI call. I don't know if that was like a forgive me call right there, but or a makeup no call calls. or something. But I don't know. And it, but, it's it's yeah, because that I can't mean, explain that one to, to you. Be, I mean, and I hate Florida as anybody, but I mean, you got to make that call. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, because yeah, I mean, you, you clearly. I mean, he pulled the face mask, but they covered, so I don't really give a shit. And Florida lost, so. Congrats. Have fun at the I would say that, Liberty Bowl this year. Yeah. <laughs> the, the strangest thing to me there is the fact that it was SEC refs too. Yeah. So <laughs> they, had all, they had all the reason in the world that also, it would benefit them right. to call that for Florida. Um, uh, what do you think of Florida State fans storming the field? Again, 6-6 six six Florida. I didn't like it. I'll be sure with you. I didn't it's like it. Silly. I thought it was a little silly. I thought it was a little silly too. I per, I don't agree with it. I understand why, but I don't agree with it. Because I that is, for the students who are currently attending, that is the first time they had beaten Florida while they've been there. And we have had a bad four-year stretch. I understand why they did it, but still, I don't agree. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I guess, yeah. it's uh, They haven't beaten them in really four years because you didn't play mm-hmm. in the one year. But, I mean, I don't know. It's like, it's, if I get it, maybe if it was like a top 15 matchup. And both teams came in like eight, eight, three, or like nine and two. But like, what are we doing? I don't. Still, it was just silly. silly. Yeah, I know. I agree. But what can um, you do? It's college kids. But I will say credit to FSU. Get to nine and three. You have the shot now. The ten win season. Mm -hmm. Looking to finish strong. I think you you'll probably get a Big Twelve team or something. I think. Yeah, I was, it was, I was keep saying Oklahoma State or Texas in the Cheez It Bowl. So I hope we get cheesy. You probably won't get Oklahoma State because they just lost to West Virginia, so it'll be seven and five. So you're oh, probably yeah. gonna get, a, you're probably gonna get Kansas. You'll probably get the Big Twelve runner-up, possibly. I would say, or yeah, like the third team. So yeah, still no, still no task. So I think it's, it's gonna be a good step. I think Nape or not Napier, fuck Napier. Uh, Norvell's got Norvell's got yeah. this train rolling. I think it's, mm-hmm. and I would not yeah. be shocked if they are. Contending well, the ACC. I mean, we could talk about this in like an off-season show, but like, mm-hmm. they, it feels they, open right now. It feels open, but the problem is the divisions are killing this the mm-hmm. eight conference because you have 
FSU, Clemson, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and NC State all in the one division. You're just cannibalizing I, yourself. I will tell you, this was the last year for divisions in this conference. It was? Oh, that's good. Yeah. Because it was a big deal because people were talking about that Pittsburgh versus Miami game was the last ACC Coastal game ever. And it was awful. But yeah. it was like a big deal. I don't know if you follow Sicko's committee on Twitter, but they were tweeting about it nonstop for like 10 minutes. Because, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, you can say it's the same thing for any division. But like mm-hmm. the Big 12, the Big 10 East. I mean, they, versus the you, guys, you guys can't. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with the ACC, the Coastal, and the um, Atlantic. Yeah. I mean, you guys cannibalize each other, and then you're mm-hmm. left with one guy, one team, against a shittier team. So, yep. like, like last so, ACC game, well, I mean, last yeah. year's ACC title game was, like, the first time that was, like, even, with, like, Wake Forest and Pitt. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, but so we'll rest on. in peace. Last words to say about the ACC divisions going away is a little fun fact for you. The Coastal in the... 20, no, 15 years we had divisions, had won the conference twice. So. We'll move on to yeah. the big headliners of the weekend. Uh, number, number two, Michigan, or no, I'm sorry, number three, Michigan beat number two, Ohio State, 45 to 23 in the big house. I'm sorry, not the big house. They beat them in Ohio. Oh, in How about we talk about that? In, in the shoe. They and went to Columbus and kicked their butt. Oh, it wasn't just a kick the butt. They curb stomped them and left no doubt about it. Yeah. 45-23, your final. Michigan, who rolled in as a nine-and-a-half point underdog, I think is what the line finished mm-hmm. at. Let me see. As far as I can tell, that's what it was, yeah. Nine. I, it was nine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll let you There's, start. But. So I'll start with saying this. I think it's time we accept the fact that Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than Ryan Day. I want to start there. Because, yeah, yeah I I know me. I, we've spoken about before the, you know, the wake up on third base with Ryan Day, right? But... The fact that this is the second straight year that not only has Michigan beat Ohio State, but throttled them. More or right. less made them look like they had no business being in and, the same building as them. Emphatic wins. They're not just like yeah. messing around. And it's – I'm just going to build off what you said there. It's not <laughs> – and it's one thing to beat your rival on a snowy, like, blizzard-esque yeah. atmosphere at your own stadium. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. But to do it on a – Pretty picture perfect day. It was like 55 or 60, yep. sunny. To do it at Ohio State is a totally different thing, and to do it how they yeah. did it is really something that needs to be talked about. Because I do agree. I think Harbaugh is slowly but surely kind of taking over that top coach in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a waste of talent Ryan Day is the perfect example. Of mm-hmm. wasting talent. I mean, a bunch. I saw a tweet today. Yeah. About it's how he has wasted talents of like it was like Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, uh, C.J. Stroud. We'll call it now. Jackson Smith and yeah, Jigba. Just, 
Travion Marvin Henderson, Harrison. Marvin Harrison, I think, who's who's some other draft picks that they've had. Uh, they've had, let's think about this. They had Chase Young, who was a top three pick. They didn't, he didn't even get, he didn't get to see a title. Justin, he didn't get to go to the national championship. Justin, Justin Fields. Fields. Um, there was... That running back, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, plays for the uh, Ravens. Ravens. Um, I forget his name. It's, um... Shit, hold on. I'm gonna Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda, um... One of the Bosa's, I believe. No, no, he got he got drafted in Myers last year. So, okay. yeah, I will give that. You know, I think the biggest thing oh, to talk about. J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, J.K. Dobbins. Yep. I do. I was thinking Dobbs, but I didn't want to say it because first thing came to mind was Josh Dobbs, and I was like, nope, that's a Tennessee quarterback. Yeah. But <laughs> I think it's just it's interesting to watch as because in this game. They they more or less completed the game plan they would have to win this game. Ohio State they threw the ball for almost 400 yards. They, I mean, that's that was the key to the game plan. Is if we knew it was going to be a nice sunny day, Michigan would not have the advantage in the fact that they could run the ball on them and that it was cold. You know what I mean? It was like it was like was 50 degrees outside. Something and, like that. Yeah, and they not only that, but for the most part, JJ McCarthy. Played fantastic. He played like this the is the first time. He, this and is the first time I've ever watched him play great. And I would, and I'll be the first one to say it. I was wrong about that. I thought mm-hmm. he was, and we talked, and we said this both. I think we both agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we were gonna choose one, we were gonna go with CJ Stroud. And for yeah. the most part, first half, I mean, Stroud was playing well. Yeah, Stroud was McCarthy, playing really good. McCarthy was just matching that. And to be fair. He had the couple deep shots, but I mean they were wide open, and I don't know what how happened because we talked about how Ohio State's defense was improved, but they looked what? worse this year. They looked in this game right now. They looked worse. There's the, at least when it came to the happened? secondary. And I was watching a podcast or listening to a podcast earlier today, and they were talking about mm. how um, they uh, is it. Was the Ohio State defense improved, or were they being covered up by playing bad teams? You know, because I, I ta- I told, I was talking about this last one too. Because on the last show we talked about that Ohio State's defense, while improved, when they play good teams, they don't look great. Like in the at least good offenses, like when they played Maryland, they did not look good. Gave they looked, they gave up thirty to to his little brother. They give up and, thirty plus thirty one or thirty thirty or thirty one to Penn State. Yep. Mm-hmm. And those were the best two offenses they played at that point because they played, no offense to them, a terrible schedule. The Big Ten was not good this year, and mm-hmm. it propped up Ohio State as to being something they were not. They were not an elite defense. They were a good offense with a pretty mediocre defense. Let's. Look, I mean, if you look at the stats right here. Uh, Michigan did not have Blake Corum for this game. He had two carries for six yards. He did not. Yeah. If you want to, he played. Yeah, he had Donovan three. Edwards, yeah. Donovan Edwards had twenty-two carries for two hundred sixteen yards. Oh, average almost ten yards a carry with two touchdowns. And they could like not all, stop him. It was like all in the second half, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw that's that. I saw something yeah. where in the first quarter or something, they had like point one or like one yard or something mm-hmm. stupid. I mean, they were holding them, but then. 
but for some reason they couldn't stop him through the air. I mean, what the hell yeah. happened? And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened in the locker room, but Michigan, Michigan came out just guns blazing. I mean, they ran the ball mm-hmm. 252 yards. They th- ran it 35 times. They averaged seven yards a carry. Yep. Um, penalties were also a big play. Five for 30 for Michigan, nine for 91. There was the dumb penalty for the one player in the sidelines. Like, what the hell is he doing? Um, so that's what I think this also a little bit to talk about with the Ryan Day thing is that this team looked really undisciplined. Also, like really undisciplined. Oh, yeah. And I will say this too. And we say we were bragging about JJ McCarthy. He only threw, mm-hmm. he only went 13 to 25 for 278 yards, but he made the throws yep. that he needed to make. And mm-hmm. because he did most of that damage in the first half. And then if you think about it, in the second half, they did what they. They played Michigan style ball where they were just going to line up mm-hmm. and just run it down your throat. Yep. And we were going to see if you could stop them. Um, and, he and they said could that, not stop them. And he said that in this post game on the field when he was getting interviewed. They were like, they stopped. They wanted to stop our main course of action, so we just chose another route to beat them. Um, I mean, Stroud went 31 of 48, 349, but he had two picks. Um, mm-hmm. And those weren't just like lightly picks either. Those did. Because okay, so this is this is the easiest way to explain how this game went down. Is this is a tale of two, two halves, but primarily a tale of the third quarter to the fourth quarter. Because in the third quarter, it, the Michigan scored seven. Ohio State scored nothing. Right? It was a close game until the fourth quarter started. Michigan went up twenty-one to. They scored twenty-one points. Ohio State scored three points. And they, was, they, whenever they tried to get something going, C.J. Stroud could not get it going. He threw two picks on two drives where they were starting to move the ball, and then well, Michigan immediately scored on those really drives. One. It was really one pick. The other one was at the end of the game when it was oh, kind of yeah, out of yeah. Um, But the big thing was it's kind of like adding on what you said, the, mm-hmm. tail of the two quarters in the second half. Twice Michigan, or Ohio State had the ball. It was like fourth down, though. Mm-hmm. In Michigan territory, and Ryan Day chose to punt and not go for it. One of them was they were like fourth in manageables too, and he chose to mm-hmm. punt, not either try a field goal or go for it. Um, and then he was trying to play the pussy game. And excuse me if I offend anybody for saying that, but he was playing <laughs> that. He was playing the scared game where, yeah. oh, we're just going to punt it and we're going to play defense and hope to get it back. And that's not going to work. And again, it 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 didn't work last year, and it didn't work again this year. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what, I just don't know what happened both halves because I don't, I, I, it just baffles me how well Michigan just, just stood up and stopped Ohio State from doing virtually anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything. I mean, I'm looking at team stats now. I mean, I mean, I the easiest way to look at this is, you know, Michigan was seven for sixteen on third downs. Ohio State was five for sixteen. They, um, they both punted the ball five times, and actually, Ohio State had more plays. They had the ball for they had the time of possession. They had the ball for a longer amount of time. They just could not score the ball, like you know, like they could not get to the end zone in so, the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. It was just, I, so I it's hard to explain quarter. it. Third quarter, it's 24-20. Um, mm-hmm. Michigan had just scored, and Ohio State has the ball back. 
It's fourth yep. and three from the Ohio State 49. Fourth and three. And they decided to punt. Yep. Um, luckily, Michigan had a punt again. Ensuing drive. Um, it's three plays, no yards, 24-20 still, but you're at the Michigan 48 punt. It was fourth and yep. ten. Why not? I mean, unless you know your kicker doesn't have a range, why not test it? You know, or go for it. Fuck it, just go for it. Your offense is one of the best in the country. It's... What? And and then so then they play the scary game where they just punt it away. And suing drive, Michigan scores. Next next try for Ohio State. Three plays, seven yards. Punt. Michigan gets the ball back, missed field goal. Ohio State field goal. Ohio, Michigan touchdown. Ohio State interception, Michigan touchdown, Ohio State interception, end game. Those two drives kill. Killers. But, um, as I always say, if you're a favorite and if you're not going to cover, lose the game outright. And Ohio State did that to the T. What? I mean, just. And um, what do you think? And we'll talk about this Tuesday, um, but we kind of brought it up a little bit in the opening statement. But Ohio State, where did they go from here now? So I I don't think the playoff is closed to them yet. I don't think either. I think. I, I I think they they if but if you're them, you're praying that USC or TCU loses. Like that's that's your only hope. That is I it. Miss, you are praying point, that one of those two. Is TCU a lock though? Because they're undefeated. They have I don't think TCU is. I don't think. I I mean I would think so if Ohio State wasn't at five. If Ohio State's at six, I think they're a lock, win or lose. But I think if, I don't know. You know what I mean? You I'm think, sitting there and I'm like, okay, well. You think if, a, if Ohio State's at five and USC if, loses, bam. Yeah. Um. It'll be interesting to see. Um, I don't. I think TCU has a little more wiggle room than people think, but we'll see how the I, playoff. I think it just it because they. Exa- I think it depends how the playoff TCU. committee does it. They've always mm-hmm. they keep finding ways to try to yeah. not downplay TCU. So we'll see. Um, but do we have anything final thoughts about this game? The only final thoughts I have is. Is this the beginning of the end of the Ryan Day time in Columbus? Because mm-hmm. for everything Ohio State is, it's also, I think, I don't know what you would consider, I would consider the single most high-pressure job in the country. It's because they have three goals there. They have three goals there. Is beat, beat Michigan, win the Big Ten, win national championship. I think they're pretty lenient on the national championship stuff because everybody knows you can't win that forever. But if you go two straight years right. losing to Michigan, two straight years missing a chance at a Big Ten title, I, I think at least at that place with those boosters who are crazy about winning, you can get yourself fired going 11 and one four straight years if you lose to Michigan all four years. I would even think... if yeah, you go. Sorry, no, I was just gonna. Off. No, no, you're all good. I was just gonna say I think it's more. Forget Big Ten. I think your job is to beat Michigan and at mm-hmm. least compete for national titles. And I'm yeah. not saying you don't have to be there every year, but you need to be in the playoff more often than not. 
you need to be competing for national titles. Mm-hmm. And right now he's not doing that. I'm not thinking – I mean maybe he's not in the hot seat yet. No. No, he's he not. Is, not at all. I don't think he's near it. I think if anything, there might be for trying to get the lighter started. Yeah. I think that. But I, I think – I don't know yeah. what it is. But right now I think Michigan has – turned the tables on the rivalry. I think they have mm-hmm. now kind of asserted themselves as the top team in the Big Ten going forward. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one thing if they had won one year, you could argue it's a fluke, but to do it two years in a row and to blow them out both times yeah. too, more or less physically dominate them, it more or less just, to, at least to me, states they're a better team and they deserve our respect. So I'm just, respecting the Michigan Wolverines going forward. I just don't know how, and these are my final two thoughts. And we'll move mm. on because I know we need to. Yeah. Um, well, first thing, I just don't know how Ohio State, and this is back to the grind day in them, how can you not look back at last year's performance and say, okay, what did we do wrong there and translate to this week, this game? And if you just watch the game, Michigan did the same shit they did last year. Mm. Oh, no. It's the same stuff. And Ohio State couldn't stop them. So. We're going to see next year if they can do it. And my final thing is C.J. Shroud completely just choked away the Heisman. Yeah. Um, he had every shot to just take it and run with it if he just played good enough and won. And he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're going to move on because we got to because we spent a little too yeah. much time on this game. <laughs> but we'll just kind of maybe briefly talk about some of the others but because that was the biggest game going in. Um, that was the biggest but, game going in. I think that was the headline for the afternoon, even with the other big games after. Yes. So we'll move on here to uh, USC Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. USC winning in LA on Saturday night. Uh, it was final was thirty-eight to twenty-seven. Because yep. the fuckers messed around the und- the over hit, and I had the under at sixty-four and a half, fifty-five. <laughs> Was the total. So that hurt. Yeah. Because Notre Dame decided to score a touchdown lead at the game. Um, Honestly, biggest takeaways um, Caleb Williams is really good. He's just walked up the Heisman. Um, I think there's not really anybody else because Drake May lost. That Georgia Tech game really killed him. Um, Drake May losing. CJ Stroud not doing playing well. Blake Corum being injured. Um, Trying to think. I mean, maybe Max Duggan. Because he had a really good game yesterday. Um, but Caleb Williams beat Notre Dame. Yes. And Notre not only Dame beat them, but he, and he, but he put them on his he put USC on his back in that game. You know what I mean? He is the and reason they won that game. And although and that is gonna that does worry me a bit too about USC. And we're gonna find out real quick mm-hmm. what's gonna happen because they got Utah again and this Saturday, yeah. and we'll talk about it in our preview show later this week. But. They got Utah again, and and Utah was able to limit him. And I know it was a close game, and they they had their fair share of points. Yeah, but Utah will have found a way to limit him, and this time around they don't have Travis Dye. So yeah. is that gonna how big of an impact is that gonna be? Um, but as far as this game goes, Notre Dame they just don't have, they just didn't have the firepower. They just didn't. I mean, Drew Pine did all he could, but. You're going up. You just you can't be. You can't bring a knife to a gunfight, and that's kind of yep. what happened there. Um, 
it's been the story all year for Notre Dame. They can't if their defense isn't really keeping them in the game, they're kind of screwed. Um, USC played their style of ball and just kind of dominated. And sure as hell, their defense does what they always do. They'll give you your points, they'll give you their yards, and they'll get a late turnover when they need to. Yep. So that's all I really got from the game. USC controls their own destiny. Um, Williams has the – I mean, if he goes out and handles the Oregon – or not Oregon, Utah. Utah. Um, and just wins the Pac-12, he'll sure as hell lock up the Heisman then. But mm-hmm. USC controls their own destiny to the playoff. And – that was it. That's all I had. I don't know if you want to yeah. finish up. Yeah. Uh, only, only really things I have to add is yes, I think, I think even if he doesn't play Superman ball on a Saturday, Saturday against Utah, I still think he's secured the Heisman just because his competitors all more or less laid goose eggs in the last minute. You know what I mean? Life? And yeah. Hendon Hooker went down with his ACL tear. Blake Quorum got hurt. Um, CJ Stroud has played terrible the last three weeks and almost costed his team against Maryland. And this week he didn't play good against uh, Michigan. And uh, Caleb Williams not only has been a great uh, passer, but he's also been elect. He's he's consistently good, and he can score with his legs, which has helped him. To, so he, I don't know if you saw, but he set the single uh, program record for touchdowns by a single player at 44 with his 30 touchdowns and then his rushing touchdowns too. So with him, I'm just, I'm in awe every time I watch him. I don't know about you, but like th- that guy is fun to watch. That guy yeah. is, he's electric. He's consistently good. He throws a ball that it almost like, I don't know how to describe it because when people watch, for instance, Anthony Richardson, who's also a highly regarded prospect for some reason, um, you can see that he does – he throws the ball good, right? You, like, you know what I mean? We you can agree he does have a, a good arm. He over – But the his, way uh, – Richardson's <laughs> problem is that he just – his accuracy is not good at all. His accuracy is not there really and sometimes ball, he – But it's just but not Kale there. Williams, Kale Williams throws a perfect ball, a perfect spiral – he hits his targets in stride, oh, man. And that this team is one of those teams where I think they're a like they're a sleeper going into the playoffs. I know they're being talked about a lot because it's USC, it's Lincoln Riley's first year, and they're looking at possibly a chance at a national championship, right? Like that's a, that's an amazing turnaround, and really shows you what the transfer portal can do. And that you don't I, the idea of recruiting a team and letting them build up is slowly becoming obsolete in college football because if you can go into the transfer portal and just more not sign but more or less sign an nfl team every offseason i mean that's incredible that's to me me, that's incredible you could do that but i know you have something to say so well just two things um i just want to say Mm -hmm. about that point um as far as the transfer portal goes though i do agree with how like it's almost it's a weapon now um, yeah. If you're a, if you're effectively able to use the transfer portal to a strength, it's very very good. Now Georgia was Georgia, um, and I just say they were the. I believe, if I know this right, they didn't take a single player out of the transfer portal this year. Yeah. Um, and if they did, it was one person, and I don't think they did. I think they were one of like three or four teams that didn't take anybody out. So. Um, 
that I will say it's still a thing because like even Clemson mm-hmm. didn't do it and they're still around. Uh, but I mean, I I think if you're effectively able to develop and get your kids to understand the goal, that hey, your mm-hmm. time might not be now, but if you stick around, stick the process, you will succeed. Um, but yeah. I do agree um, to an extent with USC and Lincoln Riley. Um, but the biggest thing, though, even with the transfers, he was able to get Caleb Williams to come because this is the second year under Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to just leave and have a new quarterback, learn a brand new system, and try to, you know. It's another thing to get Caleb Williams, who was with you last year, bring him over. That way you at least have some sort of stability at the biggest, most important position on the field. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? It's one thing to bring in a bunch of recruits or transfer portal guys like Travis Dye or Jordan Addison. It's another thing to bring in a guy that's been there already, knows the system, back of his head, and it's the second year doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know if you have anything else to say. Nothing else. I don't want to spend too much time on it. We'll talk about them more when it comes to the rankings because I do yeah. think they're a pretty big component to all that. But that's it. Just I'm just impressed with them. Yeah. That's it. They keep rolling. Uh, yep. Um, and let's move on to a um, rivalry game. Uh, LSU versus Texas A&M. Not a real rivalry. rivalry. Let's just state, uh, state that. Um, but, I mean, who's LSU, LSU just watched the Arkansas. You, it's just Arkansas? Well, it's Battle for the Boot. That's what it used to be. Because they used to play them on... Because Texas A&M wouldn't play Texas. I don't want to go too much into it because they'll they'll end up fixing it later. But Texas A&M refused to play Texas. Oh, yeah, because they're a bunch of babies. It's the same thing now with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Yep. Um, I don't know. But we'll move on, yeah. And we talked about this game as... I don't know if it was like an important game or a sleeper game, but... We thought going in, LSU was like a 10-point favorite going up against a A&M team that just dead, deader than Doran, mm-hmm. just dead. And we thought LSU was not going to have one of those just sleepy letdown spots because going in with two losses, you knew they couldn't, they had no room for error. Mm-hmm. Even with going to the SEC title game. And what the fuck did they do? They go in and just get, they lay a big old goose egg in College Station. Yep. And I don't even know. I gotta look at the stats. You want to talk about this? I'll go I, I got, I got some. I got the stats up right now. So the biggest thing to talk about is A and M's rushing attack. They ran for two hundred and seventy-four yards on LSU. They LSU could not stop A and M from running the ball. Texas A&M quarterback uh, Connor Wegman played. Good, not great. He threw for about 150 yards. Nothing special, but he kept them, you know, in the game. Mm-hmm. But their rushing attack, they could not stop them all game. They ran all over them. It, and it, I, I yeah. was flipping back and forth. Harold Perkins and Ojolari weren't a non-factor. They, nope. They, they didn't, didn't do anything. And A-Chain and then um, who's their receiver? Um, Devon A-Chain was Stewart. playing. Not Stewart. Um, it was, uh, uh, the... Oh, so A-Chain's their running back. He ran for 215, but... No, I'm thinking of Muhammad. Uh, Muhammad, yeah, Muhammad was good. He had a big game, five receptions for 94, including a touchdown. That was that nice yep. touchdown in the corner. I mean, I don't know. Like, Daniels 
21 to 35, only a buck 84, no touchdowns. They just A&M had a perfect game plan defensively. Mm-hmm. Their defense has been solid pretty mo- for the most part all year. A couple aside from a couple lackluster performances, but like they held this LSU team that had been rolling just in check. I mean, Keyshawn Butte four receptions, 43 yards, nothing. Neighbors had seven receptions for only 69 yards. That was their high. That was the their leading receiver. Yep. I mean, they couldn't get the running game going. I mean, their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, this is the only thing that also worries me. Is, um, he did have 12 carries for 84 yards, but, like, I mean, John Emery. John Emery only had uh, nine receptions – or nine carries for 55. So, like, they couldn't get anything going all night. Mm-hmm. And then they were playing – I mean, at one point, I think it was, I want to say it was like 38-21 or something like that. It was 38-17 at one point. Yes, it was. So, I don't know. I mean, we thought going in, LSU was not going to do this, and they lay a leg. They they let us down, personally. They let us down. That's all I got to say. As a resume Mm -hmm. builder. Um, Also, now... Actually, on the positive side, if anybody wants uh, SEC title game tickets, now have dropped to like almost under two hundred dollars thanks to their loss. They went from like four hundred dollars a pop to down to the two hundreds. Whoa! You're gonna you're gonna make a trip up? Maybe. maybe. (laughs) Not out of the question anymore. Probably not, but maybe. I'm just kidding. Probably not. Um, But yeah, it definitely does, and it definitely does. See now, will LSU does LSU now even care? I mean, how does Brian Kelly get these guys now focused? You're going up now against really your biggest test all year, mm-hmm. SEC title game. But now you're nine and three, and you're really the second best record now in your division, even though you won the division. Like, how do you go off from winning? You know, nine and two. Chance to be at ten and two going into the SEC title game with a playoff spot on the line. How do you respond after just laying an egg like that? So, I, I really don't know what Brian Kelly is going to do about this. I would like to believe that, that the team is still wanting to win. Like the SEC championship is good enough for them, right? That's a good enough goal in a coach's first season that the players can rally around that to fight. For at least for this game, but I I don't know for sure. I really I, don't know for sure because I you I, at least I I think you can assess. Part of their soul had to be ripped out losing to Texas A and M like that. I think also the way that they lost, like they got just outplayed, mm-hmm. and it may be one of those nights, and they may come ready to go Saturday. But I don't know. Like, how do you respond? You just you can't lose the way you did, and then expected. Really turn, expect to just all of a sudden turn things around against the best team in the country. Yeah. I don't know. But the line, I'll tell you what, Vegas shooting that spread up. It was 15 going into Saturday. I believe it's at 17 right now as of shooting this. It's Sunday, Sunday, or excuse me, Monday morning at 12.05 a.m. Yep. Um, So So we'll move on because we need to. We're going to head to the rapid-fire part of the segment, or the show. The show. Um, no, I don't have anything to add at okay. all, to be honest. Perfect. Okay, so we'll move to the winners and losers segment of the show. We'll, we will just 
we'll just name off three winners of the week who won the week and three teams or whatever that lost the week. So we'll do our winners first. I'll start. Uh, my winners of the week are Tulane. Um, mm-hmm. Responding, beating, going on, beating Cincinnati and kicking, let's be honest, kicking Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati because he's going yep. to Wisconsin now. Um, and then, you know, they will now be hosting for the first time. They'll be first time playing in an AAC title game and hosting it. And they get a rematch with UCF. And by the way, I do think they were, I think they will win that. Um, I think it depends on what happens this week with the topic we'll talk about at the very end. But yeah, I do think they will, if he's still there. Yeah, I think they will win. Yeah. Um, so there's them. Uh, my second winners of the week, and we actually, you know what? I'll save it for my third winner. Second winner mm-hmm. will be Michigan. Um, yep. What they did this weekend was something I didn't expect, who's, who had Ohio State winning yep. this game handsomely. I thought they were going to just get outclassed. But they went in with a, with a, I don't know, you know like a, just a, fire in their belly, just wanting to just let it all out, and they did that to a tee. They curb-stomped Ohio State at the end Columbus and left no doubt why they are the best team in the Big Ten, and I think they're going to roll Purdue mm-hmm. and just on the way to the playoff. Um, that's my winner. Yeah. And then my third winner is a team who Georgia beat by 41 at South Carolina. And it's the South Carolina Gamecocks, and I just kind of spoiled it. <laughs> South Carolina, and more specifically Spencer Rattler, who made a couple of boneheaded decisions in this game. This was a noon kickoff. Went into Death Valley in Clemson, the fake Death Valley. And after coming off one of the biggest wins in program history against Tennessee the week before, they go into South Carolina, or into Clemson, Noon kickoff, and they beat the Clemson Tigers, they knocking out their second straight team from from any sort of college football playoff consideration. Yeah, beat them thirty-one thirty. And Beamer Ball, who is special teams, they had a two fumble recoveries, including the game-winning recovery on a muffed punt. Credit to South Carolina. I mean. Mm-hmm. As bad as up and I'm not even bad. Spencer Rettler has been, let's be honest, not very good all year. But something he, I don't know what it was after the Florida game that just sparked this team and him because he played really well yesterday, aside from the really bad interception he threw at the end of the half because they were at the goal line and threw a pick. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, like a really good game. And I don't know what went on after that Florida loss, but. They have a they shot. They flipped a switch. They flipped a switch and are just. They were honestly the better. They were the better team yesterday, and mm-hmm. they it showed yesterday. And they go in. They beat South Carolina or they beat Clemson. Excuse me, first time since 2013. The visit South Carolina fans stormed the field, made it even better. While the Clemson mm-hmm. fans were doing their um, fight song, <laughs> they were embarrassing. The just field. embarrassing. Awesome. Um, and they had the flag out and everything. Oh, it was amazing. Um, but kudos to South Carolina, and DJ Uyangale is trash, like we've said yeah. before. Trash. So those are my winners of the week. 
you have anything to say about yeah. it, or we can move on to your. Uh, only thing I would have to really add is it's going to be – I'm actually going to be embarrassing myself up next year when I go up to a Clemson game. So I hope that you make fun of me after I end up storming the field when doing that dumb fight song thing. So that's all I have to say. Well, so we'll move on to your losers. Play. Yeah. By the way, snapping Clemson's um, would have been 40, 40th home winning – or 40-game home winning streak would have been yeah. snapped at 39. First loss since 2016. All right, move on. Go to your winners of the week. My winners of the week. So I'm going to start off with the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is here. The Pac-12 finally has their team that can make it back to the college football playoff. The first Pac-12 team since, I believe, Washington in 2016. And they got if I'm correct, annihilated. Or 2017, one of those two. They got killed by Alabama. Yeah, that was but the this year will be... Washington got in, and Penn State was mm-hmm. the ones that thought they should have. Yeah, Continue. but anyways, that will be the pack. If USC wins on Saturday, this will be the Pac-12's first time back in the in the big game. If you're a Pac-12 fan, you have to be excited about at least next year because I understand there's a that USC is probably leaving for the Big Ten, UCLA too. But at this very moment, you have top 25 team. In USC, UCLA, Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, Washington. That's a lot of Pac-12 teams that are uh-huh. not just good, but debatably great teams. This is the, the these next two years could be considered almost like the golden years of this, the end of the conference, right? Yeah. Because I don't think the conference lasts much longer if Oregon or Washington end up leaving. But with this many good teams in the conference at once, you just have to be excited for the chance that next year – you could have UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Utah all fighting for a playoff spot near the end of the season. Well, you, I, US, I thought, isn't USC and UCLA living next year? The year after, 2024. Oh, okay. So, same thing with, like, Texas, Texas, uh, and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So, I, 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 actually, I actually think the USC-UCLA one is more complicated right now because UCLA hasn't gotten permission from... Cal- the state of California to join the Big Ten, but I don't think it will end up mattering at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I I do agree. Um, you could also throw in Washington State, who was seven, yeah, they're seven and five. Arizona played really well, really competitively through all year long. They beat UCLA. They finished mm-hmm. year strong. I know they're not going to be going to a bowl game, um, but a lot of looked forward to. Um, Arizona State just hired. Uh, yeah, they just hired Kenny uh, Dillingham from yep. Oregon. A uh, former uh, so terrible cool. offensive coordinator at Florida State, by the way. But uh, offensive coordinator at Oregon just went to Arizona State. Um, Deion Sanders might be going to Colorado. There's plenty to look forward to in the Pac-12. Yes, there is. Now, so. my only thing, my concern is, and it does this every year, and we say, and you just said that. Pac-12 has a playoff contender. The cannibalistic – this conference should be called the Cannibalist Conference because they just eat each other alive. And will it yep. happen again Saturday – or Friday night, excuse me? Will, you, mm-hmm. uh, will Utah spoil it for the conference? Or will they just – no. Utah – and we keep hiding Utah. Utah's defending Pac-12 champs. You know, they're going yep. for back-to-back. Rose Bowl, they got a revenge of Rose Bowl loss. Right. We'll we'll get in more into it later, but mm-hmm. yeah. So I'll move on to my next winner is Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State. 
Yep. Ha- uh, hats off to Kansas State. They're going back. They're going to the Big Twelve Championship with a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl. If you're if you're a Kansas State fan, you just have to be happy with what's going on with the program right now. I mean, they're competitive. They're good. They're ranked in the top fifteen. I think they could end up being number eleven or twelve on the college football playoff when it comes out next. But I, I, well, not only playing the Big Twelve title game. They have a chance to reven- avenge a loss they had mm-hmm. earlier this year, where they yeah. were up by 18 in the second half. I, was I watched that game, they outplayed TCU, and then Will Howard got hurt, and then TCU started just doing what TCU does and hypnotoed it, but or hypnofrogged it. But um, yeah, Kansas State, kudos to you. I think they might crack the top 10 this week. Or at least be 11. It's entirely possible. Um, yeah. I think they have a shot. Definitely go to a New Year's Six game if they mm-hmm. can pull off or play close. Although that would be their third loss. They may not. But I think if they win, they will definitely for sure go. If they if they win, they will be. But, yeah. yeah. But go There's to the Cotton Bowl, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the Big 12 tie-in, I think. Okay. And if it, yeah, it's like a, that's it, that's a tie-in. If there's like or the yeah. Fiesta Bowl, I think it's the Fiesta Bowl. One of the two. One of those. No, two, that's, I don't that's the playoff game. Excuse me. Yep. So yeah, it's the Cotton Bowl then. But yeah. So then I'll move up to my last one is Washington, who in the first year head coach there is ranked ninth in the country. They just beat Washington State. They beat Oregon this year. Their one loss is to a ranked UCLA squad, mm-hmm. and man. You gotta be they happy with losses. this program right now. I mean, two losses. Who else? Who else did they lose to? Um, give me one second. I'm looking at it now. They lost to Arizona State. They lost to Arizona State. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they lost to UCLA and Arizona State back to back. But I, I mean, still. But Michael Penix. You gotta be happy with this what program. What Michael. If, mm-hmm. If they didn't, if he didn't play in Washington, where nobody watched him because they're playing at two a.m. every day, every week. I mean, his numbers this year are insane. I mean, this from just the Apple Cup alone Saturday. Twenty-five and forty-three. He kind of like twenty-five of twenty-five four hundred yards, right? Four hundred and eighty-five yards, three touchdowns. He had yeah. one bad pick. I remember watching it. His QBR was ninety-six. He averaged eleven yards a pass. Um, mm-hmm. they, uh, I'm going to look at his, I just want to see his overall stats. Yeah, I'm looking at them right now. They're impressive, I'll tell you right now. 330 completions to 500 attempts. He has 4,354 4, yards. He has 29 touchdowns. It's just seven picks. I mean, if he didn't play in Washington and played for some bigger school, I mean, he'd mm-hmm. easily be in New York. He quite frankly yeah. should be. He'll finish the top 10 in Heisman, I think. But he's not going to go to New York because I think of, who he plays for, and that's kind of sad because it kind of sucks because it shouldn't be subjective like that, but it is. Mm-hmm. But what a year from a decent quarterback at Indiana to hurting he got injured, goes to Washington, and just completely flips the script. I mean, the game he had against Oregon, insane. Mm-hmm. But all right, continue. And uh, that rounds out my winners. Do you want to move on to your losers? Yes, I want to move on to the losers. All right, losers of the week as we wrap things up here. 
Uh, my losers of the week are Ohio State. Had a shot. I had shot. Excuse me. To um, seize control of the Big Ten East, get to the Big Ten title game where they would have won it. And you would think they're going to win it. Uh, no. Had a playoff, easy playoff lock on the line. Heisman possibly, mm-hmm. trophy on the line, and they squished, squashed it all away like you're squishing a bug. Um, they completely blew it all away, and now they are just praying. Now they have to leave it into the hands of other teams to try to get them back to where they want to be. Um, yeah, it's not where you want to be, and uh, they had every opportunity to not put themselves in the spot, and they didn't capitalize. So, Washington, Ohio yeah. State, big loser this week. Yeah, they are. Um, my second loser of the week. Uh, the ACC. Um, both of your title teams are lost um, and really got outplayed as close as the games were. They really were outplayed, both the teams. Yeah. Um, South Carolina beat you guys, beat Clemson by one. I mean, it really wasn't that close. It didn't feel that close. It felt like South Carolina, once they got the lead, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It really felt like they weren't really just. They weren't going to give it back, and so, and unfortunately, I mean, it did. It took a fumble late for that to be true, and then UNC, you can't lose to NC State at home. You can't. Um, credit to Drake May, he played pretty well, but um, yeah, I watched. Yeah. Most of that game, he is slow start. They can't have the slow start against NC State, especially at home. Um, you, you just can't. So I mean, now that eight, that that title game is pretty much irrelevant. Um, I mean, playing for the Orange Bowl. So yeah, congrats. I mean, I I think the line right now it opened up at I think Clemson's an eight point favorite. So we'll see. I'm gonna see if that line moves up or not. Because um, I would consider taking North Carolina, being in Charlotte, they might have a little home field. But we'll see. Yeah, and that's, yeah. a big, that's my big losers of the week, the ACC, especially when you have Florida, Florida State, who right now I think is the best team in the conference at the moment. And that's not being biased. At I all. agree that's, with you. That's just, that's just watching the game. No, that's I don't. I, I don't think I'm being biased when I say that. If no. you could we, ask, you ask it, anybody it, it, yeah. that follows college football, and I'll let you finish. You ask anybody that watches college football, they'll tell you the same thing. As of right now, yeah. not two weeks or three weeks ago, it's as of right now. I think Florida mm-hmm. State is clearly the best team, most balanced and most just yeah. the obviously the best team. I don't know if you have anything to add. They, they're playing. They're playing. They're just playing their best ball right now. Yeah. And a lot of the rest of the ACC is playing their worst right now. Mm-hmm. So which, and, and I'm I'm not trying to be really biased because obviously Florida State, but. I think Florida State it, right now, if they rematched against Clemson or NC State or Wake, I think th- not. Be, I think they beat them by two touchdowns. That's, like Clemson's offense is terrible. That's like, just terrible. You got it. I don't. You have to be a little frustrated as a Noel fan, just in general. Anybody yeah. that's a Florida State fan, that you really shouldn't have. You should have beat NC State if your coach, if Norvell, had a brain cell in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, you really let the Clemson game slip away because it was really like five minutes of that game that really cost you. 
five mm-hmm. to ten minutes of that game, really one quarter kind of killed you. And then the weight game, I don't know. You guys just got outplayed in that game. I mean, you had yeah, we just got beat that game. Hartman, that was when Wake Forest was kind of rolling, but you have to kind of look back and be like, after the season, were you probably going to go ten wins? Like, man, what really could have been? But this really could have been a special year. But it, but, it's a, but it also does have to make you look, be a little encouraged and mm-hmm. happy for what's going to happen next year because you know he has this yeah. frame rolling. So, mm-hmm. um, but we'll move on to the final loser of the week on my end, and that was the Oregon Ducks. Um, yeah. A shot they had, all they had to do to make it to the Pac-12 title game was win. They didn't have to do mm-hmm. anything else, just win. Yep. And they were going up to play Oregon State. The Civil War, which, by the way, is always a good game. Um, yeah. Even as bad as Oregon State has been over the last couple of years, always an entertaining game. It's really part of the game. Oregon was up 31-10 to 10 with five minutes to go in the third quarter, and they blew it. Yep. Some crappy play calling by Dan Lanning, going forward again on your own side of the field, um, and then some turnovers. I saw a stat... Oregon State on their final, I think, eight drives or something stupid like that didn't throw the ball. They ran the yep. ball like 20 times in a row. Um, you can't let that happen. And it also helps, though, because Oregon State kept getting the ball and Oregon's side of the field. Mm-hmm. And just and then Oregon couldn't do anything after, and they blew it. And then they needed Washington State to win last night, and they couldn't. So they – We'll have a nice holiday bowl game. They had a shot yeah. in the Pac-12 title game, possibly a Rose Bowl appearance, and all they had to do was not blow a 21-point lead with a, just about five minutes to go in the third, and they did that. Yeah, they had 60 yards passing Oregon State. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you lose to a te- team that threw the ball for 60 yards, I, I don't I don't know what to say to you. That's I don't have anything else to add. That's just embarrassing. Yeah, that's all I got on the losers yeah. week. We'll head to yours. So we'll move on to mine, and I'm going to start with the losers of the war on I-4, uh, South Florida. Now, the main reason I want to put put them on the biggest losers of the week is not because of the game itself, because, um, quite frankly, they didn't they didn't deserve to be in that game at all. They were nowhere near close in terms of actual team, like how the, how the teams are. They not only did they come back out of nowhere, but they blew it on a point that was not a touchdown. They got, they got. I, I was so shocked when I saw that, but they got robbed there. Wasn't that was that not a touchdown. The go ahead touchdown. Yes, to win the game with like. It looked like the high. It ten seconds. Because like, I didn't watch the game. I yeah, I was watching. I was watching the game and of the final play when he scored. Mm-hmm. It looked like yeah. his body he caught the ball and he landed out of bounds. Yeah, yeah, he did. And they ruled it. A we touchdown. all saw it. They called. So the reason they ruled it a touchdown was because they originally called it a touchdown, so they didn't want to overturn the original calling on the field. But you got to feel bad for South. And they Florida went there. to review about it. And they went to review. Yep. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They didn't explain really why either. They said he got his body in bounds with possession, but. If you watch the review, it's very clear that his, like his, like his, leg, landed out of bounds. it's out of bounds first. Yeah. It was just shocking to watch. Yeah, 
Well, kudos to USF being one of two teams to win their first game. There might be more, but yeah. the only two I know of that won their first game and then follow that up by losing their next 11 games. So congrats yeah. to Northwestern and USF. Special company. Special company. <laughs> right. So then I'm going to move to the next uh, man, uh, Lane Kiffin. Now, Mr. Lane has had a media circus around him this past month with the Auburn stuff, the um, the trolling on Twitter, the uh, losing three out of the next four games on his schedule. <laughs> um it's it's been a it's been a rough November for Lane Kiffin, and losing the Egg Bowl for the first time as head coach at Ole Miss is probably not the way you want to spend your Thanksgiving night. So I put him on biggest losers of the week because man, come on Lane. By the way, we didn't really talk about this game at all, but a good game. Um, oh, it was a great Miss, game. Almost every opportunity to win that game and just. Do it with not really any sort of just, and it's kind of the same thing with the Oregon game. They had, they were up two for what seemed like the entire game, and then just couldn't mm-hmm. do anything after. And then yeah. finally, their defense broke. They were playing the bend don't break method, mm-hmm. and it broke. And Mississippi State kind of seized control at the end. There was the late touchdown, and then the failed two point conversion. So, yeah, Lane Kiffin. Suffering his first egg bowl loss. He had won the previous two. Yep. But how encouraged though, do you have to be, though, as a player, though, that your coach is right now not leading? That's got to be a little positive. You got, you got to feel good about that. You do. Because you he, gotta feel- he could have fooled around like he usually does and just like beat it around the bush. But he came out clearly saying, hey, I'm not going anywhere. And then he reassured mm-hmm. it again that, hey, it's – I'm not doing it. I'm not even yeah. considering. So. so, yeah, but sorry, Lane. Can't lose three in a row like that. So I'm going to move on to my last loser of the week in North Carolina. Man, going to overtime against North Carolina Double State. Overtime. Double overtime, especially when I don't know how much you interact with the UNC fan base, but as someone who is in ACC circles – uh, this is a UNC fan base that constantly says North Carolina State is not our rival. To lose in double overtime in that way to not our rival is probably the most humiliating thing that can happen to you. I, man, just the kicker. That kicker missing that field goal. Yeah, That's and a give me, too. That was a give me. I thought he got, I got blocked at first, and then I realized... He just completely just shanked it. Completely yeah. shanked it. Um, I, I feel bad for the kicker, too, because me as a Florida State fan waiting because our game was on after theirs, uh, me and everybody at our house were just like, I hope he misses this kick so we can end this game. Right. And then he misses the kick. I kind of, funny. <laughs> I kind of said, I'm like, he's totally missing this wide left. And then he completely <laughs> missed it. Yeah. It was... I was kind of laughing I'm like I'm like I totally jinxed it yeah I was like man this that's insane this guy wants his Florida State game to start too oh that's man tough loss there but we'll see what they happen to see again this is kind of like the LSU game just, yeah what how are they gonna how are they gonna respond luckily for them Clemson also lost so which team's gonna respond I think the most is gonna win that game yeah so um, yeah 
We'll move uh, on to our final uh, discussions you, of the weekend. Do you want to talk about this, or just briefly talk about this, or just wait? Yep, just state what happened, just the first okay. two. I don't really care about the last one yet if it's not official. So okay. I'll just say that yeah, um, Matt Rule is officially the next head coach at the University of Nebraska. They mm -hmm. found their man for the future. Yeah. Uh, we both know Matt Rule did amazing at – Baylor, especially after the Art Bryles. And he did well uh, at Temple, too. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he failed in the NFL at North Carolina, but really for a college quarter, uh, coach, that doesn't really mean anything to fail in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, 90% no. of them do that anyways. If anything, you kind of learn what goes on there, and you can yep. use it as like a – I mean, I bet, you Saban and Ki I bet you Saban and Kiffin do it as good as anybody. I mean, they yeah. were not good in the NFL, and they do as well as anybody with probably recruit and they can probably use it as like a recruiting weapon as well as like hey yeah i know what happens up there if you try i know me, nfl guys yeah i know nfl be, circles i know who to oh, talk to for you for sure um, so i think this is if if i'm nebraska this is the best case scenario for your coaching hire and i would give it an a plus right now this is the guy they wanted this is the perfect hire for them right now. This is a guy who has built programs that are completely gone off the rails bad. I, I'm I'm excited for Nebraska football, and I don't think I've ever said that in my entire life. I think I give it like a uh, – excuse me. I'd probably give it a B because I just want to see what happens. Um, Understandable. Yeah, but that's all I got right now. Mm -hmm. um, we'll move on. Um, looks like Wisconsin – is finalizing a deal with Luke Fickle, who's right now who was the head coach at Cincinnati. Um, I think this might be the best hire of the entire coaching carousel. You can't get much better than that. I think this is a perfect hire for Wisconsin. It's a guy that is still going to want to bring that toughness, that ground and pound game, but can also mm -hmm. give this inject new life into this Wisconsin like passing game, this offense. Yeah. Um, and he definitely, and kind of just like Matt Rule, but like he knows how to get to the playoff. He knows how to successfully, consistently win. Mm -hmm. um, I think this, this is a perfect hire. This is like an A yeah. hire right now. Um, we'll see what happens with it, but I think right now this is the the coaching hire of the – and we weren't really talking about Wisconsin a whole lot, but we'll see now because Braylon Allen, who is their star running back, said something about how he would transfer if um, if uh, Jim Noel or Jim Leonard wasn't hired. We're going to see because Braylon Allen's a very good running back. So we're going to see if he might stay or just go, like he said. Yeah. But great hire. Oh, I 100% agree with you there. This is the perfect hire for, uh, for Wisconsin right now. This mm -hmm. is – you're bringing in a coach who – has won the won his conference multiple times at a spot that isn't easy to recruit at. He's recruited well at for a group of five school. He has been to the playoff. He has been to New Year's Six Bowls. He's won New Year's Six Bowls. He is a um, actually he hasn't. You're right. He lost. He lost us. Right. Yep. Yep. He did. Oh. I forgot. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah, about that. Lost. Sorry. That can't happen. <laughs> oh, and two in New Year's Six. Oh, but okay. he's gotten there. Right. But he's gotten that. Is that's that's more than most people can say at the group of five level. So, <laughs> so I mean, 
when you're in this scenario, I think uh, Luke Fickle made a move that really states that the Big 12 is not good. Is I think what more or less Luke Fickle moving means. Well, it's just a, probably just a it's just it's a better opportunity, and he yeah. knows Wisconsin being in the weaker division, he has a shot mm-hmm. to really take control, re, bring back Wisconsin to being like the top dog in that division. Yeah, which I think might happen now, but we'll see. Um, we'll I'll just say quick ads, and we'll finish up here before final mm-hmm. thoughts. Um, uh, Willie Fritz, who's the Tulane head coach is currently being discussed as like a top candidate for Georgia Tech um, ahead of the AAC title game. We'll see how much that impacts. There's nothing that's been finalized. He's just the rumors that he might be the head leading candidate. Uh, Hugh Freeze is the top candidate right now for Auburn. They were 24 point favorites against New Mexico State and lost by 42. Take that as well for Liberty. Go Flames. Yeah. And we'll just finish up with Deion Sanders, just seriously considering the. Buffalo, Colorado job. Um, that would be a huge hire for him. I think a good hire because they're not one of those powerhouse programs, but they're in a power five. And mm-hmm. it would give Dion a chance to really show what he's made of from the co- a coaching standpoint. Because you know all these other power five schools give, give him a shot, and now he might have a shot if he wants to take it um, at really – Building his resume. Yeah. So that's really all we have. I don't know if you have any final thoughts before we end the show. Not much to say other than what what happens to all those kids at Jackson State if Dion leaves for Colorado? You think they follow him or are they just going to – yeah. Or are they just going to sit there and be like, wow. I think most of them will probably come where he is because you know most yeah. of. I mean, he'll probably bring like Travis Hunter, his son, who's I think their quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's pretty good too. Yep. I you gotta imagine mm-hmm. he'll bring them. Probably some other guys. I don't watch Jackson State football, but. Um, no, I don't. You can't. It's in, they don't even play on. Doesn't work like record their games. No, it's always like on ESPN Plus or something like that. But um, yeah, mm-hmm. I I gotta imagine um, that he will uh, he'll definitely bring a bunch of guys over. But that's all I got. Um, I don't know if you have any more final yeah, thoughts. Not much or, else to say. Um, we'll pick back up hopefully Tuesday night or Wednesday for the playoff rankings reaction, as well mm-hmm. as um, weekend or you know mainly playoff rankings. Um, and then any other news, college football, before we head to our uh, weekend uh, preview, championship preview. So, um, yeah, that's all I got today. I don't know. Yeah. I have any last words? That's all I have to say, too. All righty. Um, thanks for watching around. Please go like and subscribe to the videos. That, again, that would really that's really going to help us out in growing the channel. We're continuously trying to, you know, do what we can on our end to get the products out to you better. Um, yeah. And uh, but the best way that you can do that is if you're viewing, even if it's for five minutes, it helps. As long as yep. you can go and hit that like and subscribe button, it really helps us grow the mm-hmm. channel more because that's what our main goal is.
Yeah, um, improve. We just want more people to be able to hear what we have to say about things. Yeah, and I don't. That's our like biggest said, biggest. And like I said, if it's for five, ten, five minutes or an hour, anything's awesome. Mm-hmm. Just hit that like and subscribe button. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we'll be back Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, until then, this is the Nolson Dogs podcast. We'll see you around. All right. See you guys.